Good morning. As Mike mentioned, we got a, a camp coming up. We're heading out tomorrow morning for it. And um, we want to pray over the campers and the staff that are going to be heading out. So if you're going to be heading out to camp, um, can you come up here and we're going to uh, we're going to pray over you for an awesome week. So come on up. Don't delay. We have, I think, about 42 uh, campers going and about probably 12 staff. And um, it is a, a sacrifice for many of our staff to take a week off work. Not all of them are salaried, so that's a sacrifice because they're not only paying to come to camp, um, they're also sacrificing what money they might have made. And then they're also giving up potentially a week of vacation and some time away from family. So I'm very, very thankful for all the staff that make that sacrifice. It's a sacrifice for them to come, um, and usually it is. Um, this year we have a person, it's a sacrifice for them um, to not come. And that's uh, Dan Benson, who is, uh, has more important ministry here uh, to his lovely wife. So he's making the sacrifice to not come. Um, it's been... Many, many years, maybe even decades, this will be Dan's first time <laughs> not, not coming with us. So um, he will be dearly, dearly, dearly missed. I'm going to ask him to pray for us uh, to have an, an amazing week and for the Lord to be with us. Father, we know you're sovereign. We love you for your sovereignty, mm -hmm. your wisdom, and your power and your might. And Father, we also praise you and thank you for your spirit that speaks to us and leads us and guides us. We thank you for your wisdom and knowledge. And Father, as we think about these attributes that you are, we pray for this camp that your attributes, your power and your love, your gospel, your mercy, your wisdom, your knowledge, the fear of the Lord will permeate this camp this week. Amen. That we understand that our lives are not in our own hands, but in yours. That we are truly without you walking around in darkness. And may be camp for all who come will be light in that darkness. To see you for the first time, for you really are, and come to know you. But for those who kind of knew you and maybe have kind of walked away to come back, and for those who are in you and know you, that you, they would be strengthened, that their faith would be built up, and that they would become more like you, more, that it would be a sanctifying week for them. I pray for our staff. Pray for our leaders that you give them wisdom, that you give them knowledge, that you give them grace and mercy and compassion and a non-judgmental spirit, but also boldness, Father, to deal with the tough issues, not to be afraid to ask those tough questions or to deal with the tough issues, but to be honest and real and down to earth and straightforward, but to do it all in love. I pray for your blessing on the camp and the staff and Dave and his people, that it would be a great week of ministry and 
I ask for your hand of protection, Lord, in this time of sickness and disease, Father. I pray, I pray that, that everyone comes back whole, that it is your will that no one gets sick and no mm -hmm. one gets hurt. And Father, I know being camped that the spiritual warfare is going on, Lord, and we just, in your name, just bind Satan and this, this for this week there. We know there's always been warfare. There's always been a conflict. There's always been an issue. And Lord, I'm not praying that that not happens, but what if, if there is an issue that happens, Father, that you would be sovereign over and that you would help us use that to draw us to you in mercy and grace and forgiveness and compassion and bring us together. Because Satan wants to divide us, Lord, I know that, and I just pray that you, we would be overcomers, no matter what you have in store for us this week. Just bless them, Lord, bless the staff, and we just glorify you. We ask in your name. Would you turn to Psalm 20? We're going to read Psalm 20. And let's go ahead and stand as I read it. Here's what it says. To the choir master, a psalm of David. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O oh Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Let's pray. Father, we ask this morning that we might hear from you through your word. Lord, we want, we want to be people who hear your word and receive it and put it into action. And God, help us to do as this psalm says and to trust. To trust in you, Lord. We do ask, Lord, for your blessing upon camp. Do your work, a work that only you can do. We want lasting fruit. We want the seed planted on good soil. We do pray for health and safety, that no one would get sick. We pray for wisdom, for the different staffers, ministering to the youth. And Lord, we pray for changed hearts. We pray for those not saved. That they'd come to know you, Lord. They'd truly bend the knee. Use the different messages, the breakout sessions, the nightly worship, the nightly messages. 
Use all of it. Lord, even, even the game time and the free time, use all that, Lord, for your glory. I pray you'd use the teaching to strengthen the believers as young as they might be. God, thanks for providing funds and resources for many people with no fundraisers being able to really be, be done, God. You've provided funds in different ways for many people, and we thank you for that. And Lord, help us now to walk in your ways, to look to you for the source of our strength. Spirit, we thank you that you're here. Fill us. Give us the fruit of the Spirit, we pray. Amen. I've been preparing for a, a relay race uh, called the KD82, which is uh, a race on the Katy Trail that's 82 miles with a team of, I believe it's six people. So you run about, you basically run a half a marathon broken into three different sections. So you go through, um, all six people run once, and then you go through that same order again, and you go through that same order again. And when it's all said and done, the whole team together has run 82 miles. So um, I've been mentally preparing for that race for, for a while, and um, obviously running to get in shape and ready for it. But I, I started my, my real, what I would call, endurance and speed training a few weeks ago, um, knowing I, to really get into my best shape to help out the team. I, I, I needed a good two months. It's in September. And then I got an email from one of the people on the team just a couple days ago that they had canceled the race. And so I was like, man, this coronavirus. I mean, it's affecting all sorts of plans, right? Big and small. And so I had planned on that day for a pretty intense speed workout. And so I was like, oh, man, man, I'm off the hook now. <laughs> I'm just going to go for an easy little jog. But I was like, no, I've already, I've already started some training, so I'm just, at least for today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through with my speed workout. So I'm running, and I'm coming over the top of, of the biggest hill that I, I run. It's in the first mile, and I'm coming downhill, and I'm about to hit the end of my first mile. And I was just, I, you know, just kind of talking to myself. Um, and I was like, man, that is such a, that's such a bummer. Because I was looking forward to this race. I, was, I didn't know all the people. I was looking forward to meeting these people, getting to know them, hanging out with the people that I did know. And then I was just kind of like, you know, Mike, just, just get over it. It's just like one more thing in, in, a, in a many things these last few months we just had to deal with. And just disappointment after disappointment. And there's so many bigger, like people are dying, right? So what's this little race compared to uh, people being on their deathbed and even dying from it? So ju just get over it and, and move on. And then I kind of paused, actually, and I was like, you know what? That's actually not the right attitude to have. Because here's, here, here's the thing. There's a danger of minimization when we have different trials come into our life. And there's a danger of us downplaying something in our life that, that might mean something to us. Maybe to other people it doesn't seem that big of a deal, but it was important to us. Um, even that thing that is important to us, we might even be able to acknowledge, well, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, it's kind of small. But we, we have a danger of minimization of making big things small and small things nothing. And here, here's why I think it's important not to do that. Because one, it's okay to be disappointed 
in small things when they don't go how we want. Um, if we just brush them aside, which I will admit that is my natural tendency, um, if we just minimize them, and then here's what happens. We, we actually never really work through the disappointment or the trial or the discouragement of that particular thing. And the Lord lets some of those small things come into our life. Sometimes he intentionally puts them there so that we can actually deal with the disappointment and the discouragement and the frustration and the trial to prepare us for when the big things do come. So if, if our natural um, practice when those small things come is just to kind of push them away or we can even do that with other people, oh, what's the big deal about that or what's the big deal about that or what, why is that such a big, come on, man, just get over it. What we're developing the habit and encouraging others to develop the habit of how to deal with our problems. And that's not a way to deal with our problems, to just brush them aside, act like they're not there to minimize them. Now, the Lord wants to use that to have us trust in him. When we have a problem, when we have a challenge, really the first place we need to go always, every single time, is to the Lord. Even if we hear, have some horrible, tragic news given to us, and maybe it's a, just a short, Lord, I, I need your help, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, and then we pick up the phone and, and call our spouse or our best friend or our pastor or whatever, uh, it always needs to be the Lord first. Always. Because here's the thing, your friends, your family, even your spouse, they're not always going to be able to be there for you the way you want them to be. But the Lord always will be. He will always be there and walk you through it. So small disappointments, hurts, frustrations, they prepare us so that when the bigger disappointments, hurts, frustrations come, we're, we're prepared to work through those in a biblical way. That means processing that, those, those emotions. That means working through it. That means taking it to the Lord. One of the things it also means is, is bearing one another's burdens. Galatians 6.2. Pretty straightforward. Bear one another's burdens. And what does it say after that? And so fulfill the law of Christ. So bearing one another's burdens, this is a way we can do that when people have those disappointments, small or big, to sympathize with them, to listen, to understand, to help them work through it, and not just to brush it aside. This is important for ourselves. This is important as we're working with our children. This is important as we're ministering to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, if it's important to them, guess what? It's important to them. It might not be important to you. That thing might seem small to you, uh, but to them, it's, it's something. And, and give them that space to have it be something. And give them that space and help them to walk through it and process it. Now, this psalm today that we read is a messianic psalm. What does that mean? It means that it, 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 it talks about, points to, references Jesus. We're going to see that more towards the end of the psalm. But I want you to see today how it shows a great dependence for us to have on seeking the Lord. So back in Psalm 20, I want you to look at this. I want you to notice some of the key words used in the first four verses. It starts out, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. So answer, you know, answer us, Lord. And may the name of the God of Jacob protect you. So we got answer and protect in that first verse. Verse 2, may he send you help 
from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. So help and support. I mean, these are some of the key words that we're seeing in what we're asking the Lord to help us with. Verse 3, may he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. Again, a couple key words, remember us and regard us. And then verse 4, may he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. So, we're, you know, Lord, grant us this. Fulfill us. Fulfill these things that we're asking you for. But, but here's the thing. So all those things are us taking it to the Lord and, and essentially beseeching him. That leads us to verse 5. May we shout for joy over your salvation. Okay, all those things, we're seeking the Lord, we're asking him, we're beseeching him. Where does that take us? For, for, to rejoicing. Rejoicing in our salvation. So we're seeing the, the psalm kind of build up to this verse here. And then look what it says. In the name of our God, set up our banners. Now set up our banners, that's just one word in Hebrew. What's the idea there? Like they're just like setting up these little things, you know? Tacking them on the wall or something. No, when they assembled and got ready for battle, they would use the banners to go before them to have, you know, with the different sections of the army and the different tribes. But notice how they're assembling in the name of our God. That's how they're assembling. By his power, by his authority, by his might. This is why when we pray, friends, we pray in the name of Jesus. I mean, what does that mean? It means we come to the Father with the authority and covenantal blessing and communion that we have with Jesus. It means that when we pray, we're approaching the Father. Listen to this. We're approaching the Father because what Jesus has done, because of who he is, because of what he's accomplished, and because of the victory that he has over sin and death. Amen? Amen. And because we are blood-bought children of God, we can and should and do act in the name of Jesus as his representative on his behalf. So it's not our power, it's not our authority, it's his. So when we act and when we speak, it's with his authority and it's with his power. And then it goes on, notice it says, may the Lord fulfill all your petitions at the end of verse 5. So we're praying, we're asking, what, for the Lord to hear us, to be favorable towards us, and to respond. Then look at verse 6. Now I know. All right? Not wonder, not think. I know that the Lord saves his anointed. Now this word anointed here is actually in the singular, and you can kind of see that confirmed in the very next part of the verse. He will answer him. From his holy heaven, okay, the Lord will answer his anointed one. So it's in the singular in Hebrew. God's going to answer his anointed one. This is, this is the key part of the psalm that shows us it's messianic. The anointed one is Jesus. You know, well, how, how do we know that? Well, that's a good question. Now, Isaiah 61 says, and, and, and Jesus quotes Isaiah 61 in Luke. The Spirit of the Lord, Jesus stands up, right, in the synagogue, unrolls the scroll of Isaiah and reads, 
this passage. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now, the, the meaning, when we talk about anointed, in the New Testament, when we talk about Jesus, a lot of times there's a word either before or after Jesus. You know what that word is? Christ. Good job. That's the Greek word that they translate from the Old Testament, Messiah. So Messiah equals Christ. Messiah, Old Testament, Greek, they use Christ. Messiah comes from the Hebrew word that sounds similar to Messiah, Mashiach, and it means to anoint. So when we talk about the Messiah or the Christ, we are literally talking about the anointed one. So when it talks about Jesus Christ in the New Testament, it's saying Jesus the Messiah. Literally, Jesus the anointed one. So here, I know that the Lord saves his anointed, the reference here to Jesus. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Did God do that for his own son? Yes, he did. Most clearly, when? In the tomb, right? Rose him from the dead. Then notice what it goes on to. Verse 7. Trust. Now, why the reference here to chariots and horses? You guys have probably read this verse many times, maybe even have it memorized. Well, I mean, chariots and horses, what do they represent? War, strength, armies. But it would remind the Israelites of miraculous victories that God had given them. Where did those victories come from? The Lord, right? And how were they accomplished? Were they accomplished with, with chariots and horses? I mean, a lot of times we see God, we get these stories in the Old Testament of miraculous intervention by God where the Israelites don't even have to pick up a spear. And the Lord delights to rescue his people using means by which it can only be explained that he himself did it and no one and nothing else did. So the, the Israelites would think, man, you want to trust in chariots and horses? Like, like, go ahead, man. Like, we've been there. We know how it turns out, all right? Good luck to you. We'll see you floating in the Dead Sea along with those other dead Egyptians. But we're going to trust in God. God comes through for his people. Think of what David said to Goliath. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Friends, the believer does best to trust in the Lord instead of anything else, including the sword, the spear, or the javelin. Notice what it goes on to say in verse 8. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. Notice the, the, literally the physical change of position. What position were the enemies of the Lord? I mean, they were high and mighty, standing aloft with their vast army, standing and ready to conquer, surrounding Israel. But where were the Israelites? 
bowed down on the ground in worship, seeking the God of heaven to intervene on, on their behalf. But now the tides have turned. And who's on the ground now? The enemies of Israel. They collapse and fall. And where are the Israelites? But we rise and stand upright. Friends, those who start humbly before the Lord will end up standing in victory by his side. It will be his victory, and you will be there with him. Notice how the psalm wraps up. O Lord, save the king. Now, now where did this king come from? Save the king. I mean, the king hasn't been mentioned the first eight verses, and now we got some king here. Well, understanding that's a messianic psalm referencing Jesus, we can understand that the king is the anointed one. That would make the best sense in context. In fact, the, the NAS and the, and the NKJV bring it out a little, a little better. Save, O Lord, may the king answer us in the day we call. The ESV says, O Lord, save the king, may he answer us when, when we call. Now, when you read that, depending on what version you have, may he answer us, the, the most obvious reference to may he answer us is actually not the Lord, it's the king. May he answer us when we call. Now, friends, let's just take a moment. <clears throat> this, this is David. He's not just written this entire psalm focused on the Lord and trusting in him. And then at the very end say, oh, and call on your earthly king to help out with his armies and his chariots and horses. That, that, that doesn't make sense. No. Oh, Lord, save the king. And may that king, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ, may he save us when we call. That's why, uh, quoting from the Old Testament, Romans talks about whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now you read through that in Romans 10, and it's very interesting just to see, well, first, when he's quoting the Old Testament, go to that Old Testament passage, pretty sure it's in Joel. Um, the Lord there is, is Yahweh. And, and Paul is taking that and, and applying it in the New Testament to Jesus. I mean, think about that. That's what it says. And so here, we're, we're getting a glimpse of that. Even in the Old Testament, we see these hints. We can see it much clearer now. But, but God was showing his people, even in passages like this, O oh Lord, save the king, may that king answer us when we call. Well, why, why may he answer? I mean, it's not just like, hey, man, I need some help, right? It's not calling him up on the phone. I mean, it's talking about praying, praying to this king. And, and some commentators have struggled with it a little bit because they're like, well, I mean, if it, if it doesn't really reference Jesus, that's kind of weird because they're like praying. To, I mean, they acknowledge like you're praying to this king. Well, there's only one king we better be praying to, friends. That's King Jesus. So I want to encourage us with a couple things here. One, when we have those disappointments, and those hurts, it's, it's okay. But we need, to, we need to work through that. Okay, sometimes what happens is some, like I said, maybe my more natural inclination is just brush it aside and keep going. I think other people, their natural inclination might be to actually kind of camp on the, that disappointment. And then they can get stuck there. 
They get stuck in the land of disappointment. Okay, they end up throwing up a little tent or something. You don't want to live in the land of disappointment. Okay, it's okay to, to walk through that land for a little bit, but you've got to make sure you keep going. You want to get out of that land. That land is a dry and a thirsty land. So if you find yourself there, continue to walk with the Lord and beseech him to take you out of that land. Friends, the emphasis of this passage is the idea that we are seeking the Lord and we're trusting in him. And I want to say this. Um, as the pastors were talking about the service this week, that was the word that, that came up was the idea of trust. And, and so that's kind of how we uh, have constructed, so to, so to speak, put t- together the service today is to emphasize on trusting the Lord. Not just with our own lives, but us corporately together with whatever the Lord might bring. A lot of times we get so individualized. It's just about you, you, you. you. I mean, what about us? What about us? So there's trust individually, but there's also trust corporately. And here's the thing. Trust, that's the initial step in our relationship with the Lord, right? You have to put your faith in Jesus Christ, that what he did on the cross was sufficient, that he did that for you, that that was the payment for your sins, that he took your place. You deserve to be up on that cross, each one of us, me included. Jesus took your place on that cross. And he paid the price for each one of us. And we can have eternal life through Jesus by placing our faith in what he did for us, in the finished work of Jesus, trusting in him that it was enough. I like to use the word trust, faith, just has, has, has gotten watered down, so I, I like to use them interchangeably, but faith or trust. Trust is, is much more clear, I think, to many modern ears. We're asking to put our trust in Jesus for what he did for us. Do you trust in Jesus? We can talk about, oh, I trust this person or I trust that person, so we have to even be careful with that word. But when we're talking about faith or trust, it's what Jesus did was enough. What Jesus did was for you. And you realize that you fall short. That you have a payment that needs to be made. And you realize Jesus made that payment. You want to receive that payment. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. God, God offers that gift to each person through his son, Jesus. So trust is the initial step, but here's the thing. It's also the repeated step. We don't just, just trust the Lord one time and then we're done. No. It's, it's a continual thing. It's a continual thing. You're in, you're in relationship with the Lord. If you're a believer, you're in relationship with him. Okay, So you, you're interacting with him. He's not just far away and far off and, oh, I trust and I I sign my name on that certificate and you're good to go. No, you're walking in a relationship with him. Friends, how, how do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength if you don't have a relationship with him? It's hard to do. Not impossible. 
but you have relationship with him, and relationship requires a trust of sorts. That's, I tell my, my, my children on a pretty regular basis, like we can work through a lot of things. Don't lie, though. Because when you start lying, you destroy the foundation of a relationship. You tear down trust. Okay, so we can work through many things. We've got to be truthful. We've got to be truthful with one another. Same with our relationship with the, with the Lord. It's, it's not just a trust once. We do need that. That's the justification. But it's a repeated trust. We might call that the sanctification. We're trusting and we're trusting. And sometimes we struggle, right? We come before the Lord. We don't brush it aside. We trust. And we trust. And we trust. So I want to encourage us, the word that the Lord has for us today, individually and corporately, is for us to trust in the Lord. Where are areas or things or, or, or places where we need to be trusting him more? That's what I would like each of you to be asking yourself right now. Is there a particular area, a particular thing? I need to trust the Lord more with this. That can be tough to do. Tough to do with, with family members. Trust to, tough to do with, with loved ones who don't know the Lord. It can be tough to do in our own lives as we're working through different things, maybe at our job or in our marriages or, or with our kids. But trust. Okay? So trust, yes, initially, but trust repeatedly. So I'm, I'm going to have the worship team come back up. I'm going to give people an opportunity after the first song if you want to come up and you can, you can read a verse on trust. You can pray. You can do both. And then we will um, have a time of prayer. And what I want us to focus on is, as, is asking the Lord for a continued trust in him, to help us trust, to know that we can trust him, that he is faithful. That's what someone was emphasizing earlier, his faithfulness. His faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, if we're honest, we've, we've, we've trusted in all sorts of different things. Even as believers, sadly, our bank accounts, our retirement accounts, our job, we've put them above you. Maybe we've even pushed you aside at times. And Lord, even as we prayed earlier for repentance, give us a heart of repentance now. Forgive us, Father, for trusting in earthly things they fail they can never take your place let us trust in you father whatever might come our way god you will walk through us you promise even in the darkest of the darkest of the darkest of the darkest you'll walk through us through the valley of the shadow of death you'll be by our side you'll see us through the way you are faithful you and you alone can be trusted with our very soul. So help us to trust, Lord. Increase our trust in you. Help us to not trust in things that fail, but to put our trust where it belongs, in you. Not in chariots or horses or anything else, but in you and you alone.